Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We are really excited for week two, and we are continuing our experience and our exposure of Oops, Somebody Fell. And so today's Oops, Somebody Fell is not about kids. It is actually about a staff person. And we know that everybody looks at what do we do when that kid hurts themselves? And I have run into very few programs that talk about, think about, have included in their emergency action plan, what happens if it's a a teacher. So um, examples of this could be, do you know the allergies of your staff? Do you know who's allergic to mustard? Who is allergic to strawberries? Who is allergic to bumblebees? Also, do you have current phone numbers and contact for whoever would be their significant other? Or their emergency contact. It could be, you know, their best friend. It could be, you know, their mom. Do you have the current phone number and contact information? Because a lot of times, especially if you've got uh, staff in their 20s, that can change weekly. Um, you know, so always try to encourage that staff to keep perhaps a, like a permanent resident or a permanent somebody, even if that person's not local, but somebody who might have numbers of local people. Yeah. So, so today, um, again, we've got, um, some scenarios to share. Um, they are very real scenarios. Carrie's got one. I've got one. We've probably got another one in there. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can't dig up three. (laughs) Um, if not, we can always make one up, get you thinking. And and so, um, and we're going to talk about different components of what to do, what not to do. And again, who do you need to call? So Carrie. um, Okay. So in this scenario, well, we could, we could play it two different ways, but the way it actually happened was the teacher was at their house, (laughs) um, like literally about to pick up their handbag and head out the door um stepped on something slipped and broke their arm well tech their arm up by the shoulder but they didn't have anybody they can't drive they have a broken arm (laughs) um and called two relatives who lived within five minutes of them and neither one of those people responded to the call in the way that you might hope (laughs) that your family would respond to the call. Um, And so um, this teacher was thinking, okay, I'm going to take the bus to the emergency room, called another teacher and said, okay, I'm going to take the bus to the emergency room. And that person said, no, call Carrie. (laughs) Um, And we got her to the hospital, spent the entire day because They did an x-ray and they're like, no, there's nothing broken. And the answer was, look at the amount of pain this person is in. (laughs) You need to do more, uh, more examination. What else can you do for us? I, I know that there are breaks that don't show up in an x-ray. What else can you do? They ended up doing a CT scan. Uh, I don't know why cats need to be involved in this. Um, but apparently the cats were able to find out that she had uh, a break on the inside of her arm up by the shoulder. And, um, you know, she's out, out of week, out of work for a week, tried to come back to work the day after did not work out. That did not go over well. Um, pain got to a seven 
from a four pretty quickly, um, even though she wasn't lifting and carrying anything. <laughs> it was just the act of moving. <laughs> like there's a lot of, mo- I don't know if any of you've noticed this, but in education, there's a lot of moving that happens. And that's not great when you have to immobilize a joint. <laughs> so um, in that situation, you know, it didn't happen at the school, but it absolutely affected the school. And, you know, because they did not have a support system that was acting the way you would want a support system to act, um, it also took me, <laughs> you know, being there Um So even if you've got staff who have family nearby, that doesn't mean that they're going to step up when your staff member needs a ride to the hospital. Um, And, you know, we hire a lot of people who don't have a lot of, you know, I mean, we hire people in their 20s. A lot of times people turn 18 and they're like, yay, I'm free. I'm going to move to wherever because they're very excited about being a young adult. (laughs) Um, so you're probably going to have some staff who don't have family. They just have friends nearby. And if they, you know, are having a really bad cold or they've broken a bone and it's at the time everybody's going to work, who's going to be available to help them? Great. So, um, Carrie is going to give another one that's going to be more related to, and I'm going to give her a chance to talk about it. Um, you know, all we, we often have staff and childbearing years. So what happens if you have a staff person who has to be on bed rest or gives birth early um, or any of those? So she'll do that here in a minute. Meantime, I'm going to talk a little bit about how to respond to staff who say they don't feel well and where to go with that. So um, we all know that staff person who can't really can't afford to take a day off of work, right? They don't want to. They're not going to. So they've come into work. They don't feel good. Um, You know, they're constantly having you come cover their room. They are in the bathroom for long periods of time. They come out of the bathroom holding um, their lower right quadrant. um, And they just don't feel good. Now, what is the lower right quadrant for people who did not go to nursing school? (laughs) Okay. So in your abdominal area, think of it as four areas, right? So it's, you know, it is a, um, a Simon says, um, so you've got the four big buttons and, um, right is to your right and left is to your left. And so the lower part, um, is right here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's not a whole lot in the lower left quadrant as far as important organs, Um, There is an annoying organ um, or not even really an organ. There's an annoying body part called the appendix that does exist in that part of the area. So one of the reasons that I bring this up is that somebody having an appendectomy or an appendix attack isn't going to manifest itself going, hi, hello, come take care of me. It's going to generally, even male or female, they're going to feel more sick. And if you have somebody who is not sneezing, they're not, you know, vomiting profusely, they don't have horrible diarrhea, they just don't feel good, chances are they're going to try to come into work. So um, somebody who is having an, a, um, an, atta- an appendix appendicitis, um, they can end up with not keeping fluids in or down, um, or they just may be tired and lethargic. Whatever the reason is, I don't care if you have a staff person with the flu or it's an appendicitis, 
appendicitis attack, gallstone attack, gallbladder attack, uterine. <laughs> Work really, really hard with your staff to make sure that they know that if they don't feel good, they need to go home. And Carrie used a number system with pain as far as maybe one to 10. Um, again, depends on the people because, you know, I'm not sure, you know, in my life, I've probably only ever had a 10 once. Um, and that was probably truly at delivery of my son. <laughs> so, you know, the rest of it is, eh, you know, what am I comparing it to? So, yeah. So you have to ask them what they think a one is and what they think a 10 is. Um, cause people definitely have different answers to that. Um, a five is supposed to be a level where it impedes your ability to function. Yeah. And again, even though it may not impede their ability to function, because again, a lot of people with appendicitis, um, gallstone attacks, I mean, they'll still be up and running. They just don't feel right. Please, please, please. We talked in the last episode about how sometimes people get a little nervous about reporting things because they're afraid they're going to lose their job. Well, here's a similar situation. We have people who still come to work when they have a fever because no one's checking the staff if they've got a fever. Uh, you know, the staff don't feel good. So unless, you know, they can really come up with a reason why they have to stay home, they won't. But if you've got staff who all of a sudden pass out, something drastically changes in their personality where they just become to the point where they cannot function, do not send them home, call 911, have them go to the hospital. You don't want to be the reason why somebody has, you know, an appendicitis attack that ruptures because they refuse to go home, go to the hospital, and they felt like they needed their job. So, And your liability insurance will pay for that ambulance trip. So don't let them go, no, 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 don't call an ambulance. It costs too much money. Say, yes, and that's why we have insurance. <laughs> yeah, because what we don't want is we don't want them driving and getting into an accident. We don't want somebody else driving them and them not really going, talking that person out of taking them or something happen and it causes a problem for the person who's driving. Because if somebody passes out on you and you're driving and they're laying on top of you, it makes it a little difficult to drive. Just saying. Yeah. So, all right. So there's, there's the first two. Uh, we are in a field where we have a lot of people who are parents. And so Carrie, how do we deal with, well, unexpected child birthing issues. Okay. So we've got a couple of possibilities. Um, the most common one is, um, that somebody goes into labor before they're scheduled to, um, many people are not Kate and they actually, you know, expect to be pregnant for 40 or 42 weeks. Kate has a 36 week gestational period. She's not actually a human. I don't know what animals have 36 week gestational periods, but whatever it is, that's what Kate is. Um, but we think we're going to go 40 weeks. And so a lot of times our staff are like, okay, so I want to have like two weeks before I have the baby to get ready. Then I'll have the baby. Then I'll take a couple weeks, you know, I'll take six weeks after. So it's, you know, eight weeks altogether. But not all babies agree that they're coming at 40 weeks. Some babies, one of my babies, decided that she was going to come uh, at 24 weeks. Um, she was like, okay, you've known I'm in here for a little while. I'm going to come out now. Um, and so, and I've had staff who also thought they were going to give birth on a certain day or, you know, about a certain time. 
And two or three weeks before that, they go into labor. Um, And (laughs) so your substitute plan for who is going to cover a classroom when you've got a staff member um, having a baby needs to be flexible. (laughs) You need to have a sub who could start earlier or you need to have a contingency plan if they start earlier. Um, Or if they go later, because some babies, I had another baby who was like, 42 weeks sounds good to me. (laughs) So some people work until until their body says that they're not working anymore because they're making a baby. Um, So again, have some flexibility with when that substitute is going to start substituting. It could be earlier. It could be later. The less common thing that happens is somebody is put on bed rest. If one of your staff members is put on bed rest and tells you, I can't not work for four months, like there's, that's just not going to work for me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose, you know, I'm not going to be able to feed myself, blah, 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 which are absolutely valid concerns because if they're on bed rest for four months and then they're recovering from birth and waiting for their child to have enough immune system to be able to go to childcare, you've got another six weeks after. So you're looking at almost half a year where that person can't work if, depending on what bed rest actually means. So the reason Kate's throwing me under the bus is <laughs> that as a teacher, I got put on bed rest. <laughs> well, I, mean, so did I. I mean, that is why that's part of the reason why Matthew was early. Um, so, I mean, it was really just because I knew you had staff. Don't, didn't you have some staff that have yes. an early birthday or, and yeah. Planned- so early birthdays is, you know, uh, one thing, but if bed rest, um, if they're like, I can't not work for four months, say, then you need to talk to your doctor and find out exactly what they mean by bed rest. In my case, they said that I needed to be in a sitting or lying down position for all but four hours of a day. Okay. So do you want to know what animals have a, a 36 week gestation? Yes. What what animal are you, Kate? You can't just sit there and laugh. It's dead air. We can't do that in a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just really funny because I'm like, well, I want to know what animal am I? Okay. What what are you? Oh, hold on a minute. I was gonna tell you, I was gonna give you the math. Okay, so 36 times seven. So roughly 252 days. Okay. So that makes me roughly a deer or a bear. <laughs> You're a bear. You're not a deer. <laughs> So Kate is now a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just thought that was, I'm like, well, I'm curious. What animal has that as a gestational? All right. So So Kate's technically a bear. Um, So in my case, you know, with a mama bear, I love it. Yep. You're a mama bear. So if I could spend four hours upright and I had to be sitting or lying down the rest of the day, the question was, what classroom could I be in? And do that. And your answer may be different than mine. My answer was a toddler room because I'm a really good toddler teacher, or at least I was. Who knows now? But I was a great toddler teacher in my 20s. And as long as somebody else would come in and do the playground time and diaper changes, I could run a toddler classroom from the floor. (laughs) So that's what I did. Um, so I think, you know, we've got different things and it's when your staff have medical issues, tell, help them to ask the appropriate questions of their doctors. If they have something that happens 
while they're at the center. So if AD had broken her um, shoulder, I shouldn't have said her name. Oh, well, AD (laughs) had broken her shoulder while at work. It would have been work's job to call an ambulance and get her to the hospital um, in, because you would have had insurance to cover it instead of uh, having, you know, friends and family drive the person to the hospital. I believe I have a, you know, hard time spending $700 to drive somebody to the hospital for a broken arm because very, very rarely does a broken arm end up in a dead person. Um, but Kate has a different take on whether a person should drive, should drive their friends and family or whether you should call an ambulance. So Kate, I'm queuing you up, please step onto your uh, soapbox and explain your very biased opinion. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I already did a little bit when I was talking about basically an internal or a, a soft organ kind of issue. So it wasn't a break wasn't something you could definitely see with like a break or a laceration. But the one thing that you never know, you never, ever know what's going to happen when somebody is in pain. And well, I mean, I'm going to toss this back to you a little bit because we both are familiar with somebody in your family who sometimes pain can cause them to black out or pass out. And again, if you're driving a friend and you know that the friend is in pain and if the friend is in the passenger seat and passes out, you have no control necessarily of where they're going. They could end up over here, okay? If they're, if something changes, um, if you have somebody who got stung by a bee, ate something, had a stomach pain. Um, again, um, I love my parents dearly, but, you know, was not necessarily their smartest choice one time when my mother drove my dad to the emergency room. Um, because this is before he was at an age and point in time in his life where he would happily have a handicap tag. So he was not near the entrance to the emergency room when they got there. Um, he was actually parked significantly out in the parking lot. So when he collapsed, guess what they had to do? They had to get a squad <laughs> to come and get him in the parking lot. Um, and so they were just fortunate enough. There happened to be a squad at the emergency room, empty and ready to go. So again, yes, I am very, very biased because you never know things can change so drastically. Um, so I'm- why are you biased? What did you do competitively in high school? Oh. <laughs> um So in high school, I actually competed against paramedics um, on uh, medical scenarios, and I was an EMT in college and almost a nurse. Um, And so I did spend an awful lot of time um, in my younger years. Oh, younger years. There we go. Um, Especially when I start figuring out how long I actually spent. So I probably spent almost 15 years um, in the medical field. Um, actively. And that doesn't include the over 30 years I taught for American Red Cross, teaching the wilderness first aid and some of those kinds. So, you know, being part of being first responders and wilderness scenarios where, you know, you didn't really have an option to being first responders in major metros um, and having um, enough friends and family who've had situations where their situation did turn drastically and quickly. Um, even with, um, you know, a medical professional as a spouse, I still probably would not have even taken the medical professional to the hospital by myself. Um, and you know, there, there has to be a really, really good reason. And I can't really come up with one on why I wouldn't take somebody, why I wouldn't have a squad come get them. Yeah. And you know, and money is not the reason. Yeah. Because again, 
your insurance at your school that you are required to have will cover that ambulance trip for them, okay? It won't necessarily cover the ER visit if it turns out to be, you know, an appendicitis. But if they have an appendicitis, they needed to be in the ER anyway. (laughs) Because usually appendicitis turns into an appendectomy. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, they needed to get there anyway. So how they get there is going to be covered by your insurance. Once they get there, it had to happen anyway. Um, You know, and there are lots of people who don't like to go to an emergency room. Um, And I understand that it's not a fun place to be, but I will tell you, you get seen by the medical professionals much faster when you come in in an ambulance than when you drive up. When you drive up, they're going to presume that you have less of an issue. Mm -hmm. So you don't sit there for four hours if you arrive in an ambulance. Yeah. And I'm going to take that back even to the um, Carrie's last scenario of um, childbirth. Again, we've got people come early, people come late, people put on bed rest, um, all these different scenarios. And then there's the people who literally water breaks and they're having a baby and they're at work. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's the first baby or the fifth baby, you're always going to end up with that scenario of somebody who it doesn't take long. Yep. We've all heard the horror stories of the people where it took 24 plus hours to deliver a baby. Um, but you also hear the people that, you know, pretty much had one pain and pushed and they were there. So, um, don't, <laughs> don't let somebody leave whose water broke going, oh, I'm going to drive myself. No. <laughs> what crazy people are driving themselves while in labor? It's been a long time, but I still am pretty sure I would. <laughs> mm, not a good plan. Anyway. Well, and the reason I bring that up is because at work, your spouse is probably not with you. They don't have the go bag all packed. I can, I can very much see teachers who are friends, bosses who are friends going, oh, I'll just take you you, to meet your husband. No, (laughs) I don't care if somebody says, oh, I'm always a 24 hour person. This is my third kid. You know what? If it's your third kid, you're probably a 30 minute person. (laughs) Your body's going, we know how this works. (laughs) Yep. So basically we're once again, reminding you to make sure you have some standard operating procedures. I know this might sound like a broken record, but you need a standard operating procedure for how do you know who to contact if one of your staff members just passes out on a Tuesday? (laughs) When do you call an ambulance? Who's going to ride with a staff person in an ambulance? And how are you going to do reasonable accommodations when they've got a broken arm, a broken leg, they're on bed rest, et cetera? How are you going to figure out what is a reasonable accommodation? And maybe this is a moment to stop and think, should I have short-term disability available to my staff? Um, Because a short-term disability policy would cover them when they're out for four weeks after an appendectomy, which is apparently how long you were supposed to be out, Kate. I just thought I would let you know. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, that didn't happen. Um, I'm aware. I'm just telling you that's apparently what you're supposed to do. uh, You know, that's also supposed to be what you're supposed to do after having a C-section. And I went three days. So (laughs) before I was driving a car. Um, So this is definitely not one of those do what Kate does. It's do what Kate tells you to do. So, Except for when it comes to squads, apparently. Yes. So um, the, the only other thing left to make sure that you do remember is please, please, please make sure that you have your staff update their own medical histories and their own allergies. 
um, because it doesn't take much, I mean, you know, mustard, strawberries, you know, things like that that are often show up in potluck kind of food um, that people may or may not think about. And um, bumblebees, we've had a, we had a director who came through our program who told us a story about a staff person who was, you know, um, EpiPen allergic to a bumblebee. And this was before a lot of people were trained on how to use EpiPens. And so, um, and they only had one, they didn't keep one at the, at, at their. Well, point. yeah, because they're $300. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but if you ever need an EpiPen, um, have somebody write a prescription for an epinephrine pen, because then they can give you the generic, um, which are like five bucks. Yep. So, <laughs> and the last thing we want to remind you, we talked about this earlier on the episode, but we want to, again, remind you, make sure your staff knows that their job is not in jeopardy if they go and have to be out for some period of time after getting an appendectomy or uh, a hysterectomy or, you know, any other ectomies <laughs> or broken bones, you know. Because you don't need people working through their newly broken bone at your center. It's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah, no. So, but um, also there are going to be times, you know, think about the age of your staff. And um, just since I had a procedure about a month ago and they said, oh, most people are back to work in like three days. And I was a good three weeks. And as you've already heard in stories, I am notorious for not taking as long as I should. And so I'm mentally thinking three days. I'm like, oh, that should be no problem. Yeah, three weeks in. And I'm like, seriously, people? <laughs> like, And it wasn't a procedure. I didn't have a procedure that was traditionally done by people who are young. So it wasn't like I had one of those procedures that only 20-year-olds get. <laughs> it was not a belly button piercing is what oh. you're saying. <laughs> not my tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So we've talked about when kids break something or have some sort of medical emergency. Then today we talked about what happens when your staff has a medical emergency. Guess who we're talking about next week? Okay. So I just want to end this on, we've decided that I am absolutely a mama bear, but I could be a gorilla and I could also be a California seal. Just thought I'd let y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.